0: Welcome to Talking for the Health of It with Permanente Medicine. I'm Amy Kaiser, Health Promotion Educator.
1: And I'm James Boyle, Health Engagement Trainer. We both work on the Health Engagement team here at the Mid-Atlantic Permanente Medical Group, where we serve members of Kaiser Permanente in the Mid-Atlantic region.
0: Today, we're talking with Christina Smith, Health Promotion Educator with the Mid-Atlantic Permanente Medical Group about lifestyle habits for healthy sleep.
1: Hi, Christina. Welcome. Talk a little bit about who you are and what you do.
2: My name is Christina Smith. I'm a health promotion educator on the health engagement team here at the Mid-Atlantic Permanente Medical Group. Um, Currently, I'm teaching some of our health promotion classes on weight management, physical activity, mental health, and sleep. Um, And I have a little over 25 years of combined experience in public health and teaching and training people to lead healthier lifestyles.
1: So today, of course, we're talking about sleep and, uh, you know, it may sound like a silly question, but um, what's important about sleep? Why why do we need it?
2: Um, So sleep is part of um, our metabolism. It's important when we are rebuilding, both physically and emotionally. It's when we recharge. Um, It's it's a time when we heal from any sort of wounds, um, any sort of illnesses we have. So it's an important process of um, our life.
1: Okay. So this is probably why I'm not able to lose weight when I'm not getting good sleep. Is that right?
2: Yes. So the processes of we build muscle basically, and we lose weight when we are sleeping. So all of that rebuilding that happens um, to our bodies happens when we are sleeping, not when we're in the gym um, on the treadmill or doing other physical activity. It actually happens when we are sleeping. What are some of the effects of not getting quality, healthy sleep? When we don't get the sleep that we need, uh, it is attached again to our metabolism. So over time, chronic sleep loss is tied to Every physical and mental um, health risk um, out there, Um, whether it's diabetes or whether it's anxiety and depression or weight gain, chronic illnesses, um, it's attached to all those.
1: So I would imagine that most folks are no stranger to the idea that sleep is important why is it so hard for us to get good sleep? Why do we treat sleep like it's a negotiable part of our day?
2: I think part of that might be um culture based You know we're taught to work really hard, um and a lot of us truly do burn the candle at both ends, um, you know, whether you're a parent maybe or a caregiver, whether you're working several jobs. Sometimes sleep just takes a back burner. Um, It's just not really important. Um, You know, we try to eke every minute out of every single day. Um, But it is a very important part of um, a healthy lifestyle. It's very important.
1: In the pre-interview, we had talked about that word negotiable when it comes to sleep. And I really identify with that. I find myself saying when I plan my day, okay, I need eight hours of sleep. Then I'm working late or working on a personal project and it becomes, okay, I can do with seven hours of sleep. Then I bargain with myself for a little TV time. Then it's six hours. Then it's five hours. It's really easy to talk ourselves out of going to sleep in favor of things we need to be doing or would rather be
2: doing. Absolutely. That is so very true. Um, yeah, we do. We prioritize a lot of things in our life over sleep. Um, and so I think that's one of the, the, the first things that people can really do is, is really just kind of reflect on how much sleep you're getting right now. Um, and what are some of the things that maybe you can cut back on, um, so that you can prioritize sleep? What can we do to
0: build healthy sleep? What habits can we have at bedtime so that we can get the most of the five, six, seven, eight hours that we get a night?
2: Yes, Amy, that's that's super important. Um, I would first start by you know, I think it's, it's good for everybody just to kind of take some self inventory, um, and understand that whatever we do when we're up and awake. And I say that instead of saying, um, when we're, when we're up during the day, because there are people that are shift workers that have the opposite sleeping pattern, right. Um, they're up at night, um, and sleeping during the day because of their occupation. But everything that you do while you are awake is going to either serve you in getting a good night's sleep, or it's going to become what we call kind of like a blocking factor or something that hinders your sleep. So it's important to kind of take inventory of maybe some lifestyle habits that you have formed over the course of years. um, that are unhealthy and could be, um, blocking you from getting a good night's sleep. So some examples of that would be if your nutrition maybe is not super healthy, um, maybe you're not eating, um, balanced meals or you're skipping meals that can affect your, your sleep. You know, if you're exercising or, um, not exercising. And I say exercising, meaning a lot of people do exercise, but some people exercise a little later in the day, which can kind of cause adrenaline to kind of get up a little higher and make it harder to go to sleep. Um, but we definitely want to exercise. Um, but there's, there's a lot of different things that, uh, people can do to really kind of maybe narrow down Um, and focus on some of those lifestyle habits that may not be super healthy, um, that could be blocking them from getting a good night's sleep. And then you just start to focus on changing those lifestyle habits one by one.
1: Christina. Do you think you could walk us through an example day of when is a good time to stop eating, when is a good time to stop physical activity, uh, so we can get ready for uh, getting quality sleep?
2: Yeah, sure. And you bring up a really important um, topic right there, James, because you've just identified kind of setting a routine and setting boundaries, which is very, very important. Um, so if I got up at about 6 AM in the, in the morning, um, I'd want to make sure that, um, you know, after I get up that I'm eating some breakfast, because when we fast during the course, when we're asleep and, um, a lot of times people skip meals and frequent meal skipping sometimes can affect your blood sugar handling, which can affect your sleep. Um, So I'd want to have a breakfast to break my fast, Um, and then I'd really want to go about my day and have my lunch. I'd want to have my dinner. If I needed to have healthy snacks in between, I'd want to do that. I'd also want to schedule some time for exercising, and that exercise, I would want to take place um, prior to about 6 p.m. at night. That way, then adrenaline and cortisol and noradrenaline, those hormones are able to kind of settle down a little bit. um, And they're not, I'm not exercising so close to the time that I would go to bed. Yeah. And I'd want to stay hydrated throughout the day too.
0: What can we do to create a comfortable sleep environment for ourselves? What can we do in our own bedrooms to help
2: us get the best night's sleep possible? So we do want to um, kind of go back to that inventory again. And we want to start with our bed, um, our bed, our mattress should be comfortable. The bedding should be comfortable. Um, and we'd also then want to focus on the light in our room. So we'd want to make sure that it's dark, dark, like a cave, um, no street light coming in, no moonlight coming in. Um, you know, if we need to put up some blackout curtains, we would put up some blackout curtains to keep all of that light out. Um, and we'd want to focus then on noise. So do I have noise coming in maybe from the street or from other people that I live with? So maybe a white noise machine would be helpful or running a fan. Um So it should be, also the temperature should be cool. So I'd want to make sure that I have a cool, dark and quiet environment. I also want to unplug. There shouldn't be any sort of light coming from the television or an iPad or an iPhone. Yeah.
0: Christina, you and I know as health educators that the human brain loves routine. Our brains love to know what's coming next to prepare for our activities. So for people out there who go to bed and wake up at different times each day of the week, what's a good strategy for adjusting that sleep schedule to get on track with more regular predictable
2: sleep? Yeah. So you definitely want to set a fixed bedtime and a fixed time that you're getting up every day. Um, and then you also want to about 30 minutes to 60 minutes prior to bedtime, establish some kind of nighttime routine. And this is so that you're transitioning into sleep. Um, that's super important because a lot of times we just, you know, turn off lights and then just dive underneath of our covers, but you really want to set that time up to transition from what you're doing when you're awake to then going to bed. And that transition time should involve a lot of relaxation. So dimming the lights, um, Maybe putting on some soothing music, definitely time to unplug from the news, from social media, um, from um, maybe some conversations with others that um, may, I don't know, maybe you're arguing with somebody or, you know, you definitely want to take some time to um, transition and relax before you go to bed. Um, So anything that is going to get your stress level elevated, you want to just kind of peel away from that, um, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: One other thing that I know is a challenge for me is having my phone right next to my bed on my nightstand. I find myself, when I'm getting into bed, thinking of that one more thing right that one more message i need to respond to that one other thing i just need to look at um and what's been helpful for me is putting my phone on my dresser or on the other side of the room so that there's not that temptation there
2: yes so that comes with really um that nighttime routine so and it is challenging. It really is challenging because we, we feel like we do have to answer every email that comes in, but really having that hard, cold stop, and it might take some time, but that's part of that nighttime routine where you would literally unplug and then you're going to, instead of the screen time, you're going to have some sort of strategy, right? Or whether it's listening to music, taking a warm bath, um, whether it's doing a little Tai Chi or yoga, um, gentle Tai Chi or yoga, um, a seated mindfulness practice, whether you're playing a musical, whatever strategy it is, that's part of your nighttime routine. Um, and it probably will take some time because you are establishing a new healthy habit. And sometimes just like when we're trying to eat healthier food, or, um, we're trying to fit exercise into our day. Sometimes it does take some practice and sometimes we have setbacks and that's okay too. Um, so, slow and steady wins the race for any sort of lifestyle habits that we are trying to, um, make, uh, sustainable. Um, so, but yes, you'd want to have James to answer that question. You'd really want to have that built into that nighttime routine. So at, if my bedtime is 10 o'clock, nine 30, nope, no more, no more answering, uh, my emails or being on social media.
0: And another tip that I like to share in the sleep and mental health class is if your sleep schedule is all over the place, and maybe you just need to start there with setting yourself a bedtime and awake time that are predictable, um, I like to recommend to people to move their bedtime back just a few minutes each night to their goal bedtime. So let's just say you go to bed at 1 a.m. most days and you'd like to go to bed at 10 p.m. Try not to just start going to bed at 10 p.m. Your brain's going to get confused. It's going to feel weird. But if you move your bedtime back, maybe just five or 10 minutes each night until you reach that goal bedtime, that'll give your body some time to adjust. And then that relaxation routine that Christina mentioned will feel all the more natural to help you unwind and fall asleep.
1: So personally, I know that I do best with about eight and a half hours of sleep, but I've heard different people need different amounts of sleep. Is that right?
2: So a lot of that depends on age, Um, you know, whether you're a child whether you're then, uh, teenagers need different amounts of sleep. Um, elderly people usually sleep a little bit less. Um, so it depends which stage of life you're actually in, um, has a lot to do with it. Um, other things can affect your sleep too. Um, a lot of times you might notice that seasonally So in the summertime, you might, because of our circadian rhythms and the days being longer, you might feel a little bit more energized um, than you do in the fall, later fall and winter months when we have a longer, our days are darker for longer periods of time. Um, That's usually a time when people naturally uh, want to sleep more opposed to later spring and summer. Um, So there can be a lot of different variables there that, uh, can determine how much sleep people need. But yes, to your point, absolutely, James, um, you know, it's, it's different for different people. Um, typically though, 7.5 to eight hours of sleep is, is what we need, um, as a healthy lifestyle to help our metabolism.
1: So let's say I've tried keeping a routine of stopping eating, exercising, working well before bedtime, I'm staying away from my phone and TV while I'm winding down and getting ready for bed, and I'm still having trouble sleeping and I'm waking up in the night, what then?
2: If you're having a hard time sleeping, um, and you're tossing and you're turning, you definitely want to take note of that. Um, and, um, you know, if you need to keep a journal by your bedside and just kind of record, if you're somebody that frequently wakes up during the course of the night, what is it actually that you're waking up about? Is it that you're have some, um, worrisome or bothersome thoughts about something? What are they about? Um, but pinpointing why maybe, um, you're not sleeping for so long. Um, you know, if you're somebody that goes to bed and you're sleeping really well, um, and you're waking up and you have the energy, you don't have a hard time getting out of bed. Um, it doesn't take you a lot of time to get going in the morning. That's different. But if you're somebody that's tossing and turning, you're waking up frequently. It's hard for you to get moving in the morning then, you know, it's possible you could have some insomnia or um, sleep apnea or something else could be going on then. And, um, talking to your Kaiser Permanente physician about that is definitely, um, first on, on the list of things to do. Um, but it, when going in and talking to your physician too, it's also helpful, like I said, just to have that journal, um, so that you can talk about maybe some of the things that you're thinking about um, that are keeping you awake, Are there any other
0: strategies maybe related to mindfulness or cognitive practices that I can do if I'm still tossing and turning?
2: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up, Amy. Um, so there's a lot of research between um insomnia. Um, and the benefits of having a mindfulness or meditation practice and how that helps with insomnia. So first of all, if you are tossing and turning in bed, then you definitely want to get out of bed because you want to disassociate your bed from a place where you can't relax and you can't sleep. Um, And you want to associate it with a place where you can. So you'd get out of bed and then it's would be super helpful to have some sort of strategy that you're using. If there's a chair in the room in your bedroom that you could go sit in, or maybe you go to another room to somewhere comfortable, but some sort of strategy that's going to help you relax and feel sleepy again. And meditation and mindfulness can be, um, powerful strategies to use. Um, And so you would go to that quiet space, you would practice, um, doing mindfulness or meditation when you feel relaxed, uh, when you feel sleepy, then you would return to your bed, um, and meditation and mindfulness can, can look, they don't have to be a traditional seated practice, right? Um, maybe you're doing something like, uh, going to a chair and you start doing some knitting or crocheting. Maybe that's, um, something a lot of people like to do that can be soothing. Maybe you pick up a guitar. If you're a musician, um, maybe you just go into your kitchen. Maybe you wash some dishes. Um, you could do some gentle yoga, whatever it is that you do pick a, practice, a, a meditation or mindfulness practice or a hobby or an interest that relaxes you. Right. So we wouldn't want to go into the, the other room and start doing um, um, a dance routine or some kind of aerobics or, you know, something that gets our heart rate rate up. Right. We'd want to make sure that whatever we were doing would have us focusing on um, our breathing or our knitting or the washing the dishes or whatever it is. And that we actually feel ourselves start to relax, that we start to feel sleepy again. That's a strategy, um, that then after, after we've come down a little bit, after our thoughts have come down, after we feeling sleepy, then we return to the bed. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was a great question. Thank you.
0: Christina, if anyone wants to learn more or access additional resources relating to sleep, where can they go within Kaiser Permanente?
2: Yeah, so first uh, talk to your doctor about getting a referral uh, to sleep medicine. um, If you think that you need some sort of sleep study or if you are um, having symptoms of insomnia, um, talk to your physician. Okay. That's, that's first. Um, and then there are some resources. We do have, uh, mental health and sleep classes that are free to our members. So if you visit kp.org backslash classes, you can self-register, uh, and learn more about that class. Um, there's also self-care apps that's free for our Kaiser Permanente members. Um, we have calm and my strength. Those are two great apps that can be very helpful. um, if you are having some, uh, problems sleeping, uh, to download those free apps, you would go to KP.org backslash self-care apps. Um, and then. Um, If if you are experiencing any sort of anxiety or depression, um, please don't hesitate to contact our behavioral health team Um, and they can be reached at 1-866-530-8778.
1: You'll also be able to find in the description for this episode, links to the resources Christina mentioned, as well as the number for our behavioral health team. Thanks again, Christina, for taking the time to talk with us today. And thank you for listening. We hope you check back in with us for future episodes on wellness topics and specials covering specific areas of health. This has been Talking for the Health of It, and we'll talk to you next time.